This episode of the Sunspots Comics Podcast is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Cryptid Zoo. Cryptid Zoo is a t-shirt line uniquely infused with augmented reality and inspired by cryptozoology figures like Bigfoot. It is designed by artist and owner Julian Meyer, and check out the amazing unique shirt designs at cryptidzoo.com. And don't forget to use the promo code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you will get 25% off your shirts. Again, that's www.cryptidzoo.com. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics Town Long ago in a distant land, I, Aku, the shape-shifting master of darkness, unleashed an unspeakable evil. But a foolish samurai warrior wielding a magic sword stepped forth to oppose me. Before the final blow was struck, I tore open a portal in time and flung him into the future, where my evil is law. Now the fool seeks to return to the past and undo the future that is Aku. What Hello, hey everybody, welcome. You are listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 92. Covering the comic books that I read that came out on Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, February 1st. And this particular podcast is jammed with a multitude of midichlorians. Yes, it is. <laughs> I am your Force-sensitive host, Chris Latori. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Sunspots Comics Podcast, where I recommend to you an amazing list of comic books to read that come out every single week. Maybe you're brand new to comic books. You're just trying to get in. You're not sure what to buy. Or maybe you've been reading comic books since the dawn of the dinosaur, like myself. And you just want to know what the best comic books are so you can save some money, save some cash. Well, if you're one of those two things, then the Sunspots Comics Podcast is definitely for you. That's right, you. Thank you, and please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Xbox Live at Sunspots Comics. And please check us out at YouTube.com slash Lat. That's T-O-P-H-E-E-L-A-T. And two thank yous. Of course, one to Nick Papa George for making our Sunspots Comics theme song. Please follow him at Facebook.com slash Nicholas Dell Music. And also thank you to my son, Justin Jables Latori, for doing our blog. That's right. Check it out at blog.sunspotscomics.com. You can also follow him, Justin Jables Latori, at Just Sunspots on Instagram. His latest blog is on his five favorite movies of 2016. So go look at that at blog.sunspotscomics.com. Also, another announcement reminder that... I'm giving out more free digital comic books. That's right. It's just a new fun freebie giveaway with nothing to do but follow us on Instagram at Sunspots Comics. Basically, every time I buy like a Marvel comic that has a digital code for the free digital version of the comic book, I never use them, never read them, so I'm giving them away to you. Yes, you. All you got to do is follow us on Instagram and then look at the post, grab that digital code and go to marvel.com slash redeem. The first one to get it wins and it's just going to be a random smattering of comic books. I've given out some amazing Spider-Man, some Silver Surfer and coming up next is Vision. 
which is wow what an interesting uh, interpretation of vision i tell you it's uh, creepy and haunting and it's uh it's it's frightening but really really gripping and well done so check out instagram very soon my instagram at sunspotscomics.com to grab the free code for the vision comics by marvel so coming very soon just check out our instagram so let's get started on the podcast on the sunspots comics podcast issue number 92 with some stuff floating around in my nerd brain that's right the first thing that's coming out in my nerd brain that's just oozing out of there is the image plus magazine issue number 10 just came out and if you're not getting this you should definitely get it so i'm going to just give you some of the highlights that'll hopefully just get your comic book juices going and flowing so that you can go and grab image plus magazine it's fantastic it's really just overall uh, them sharing their love of all the unique interesting diverse comic books that they're talking that they're talking about writing about showing you and it's beautiful stuff and this particular issue is uh, right off the bat the letter from the editor from Sam Stone is interesting and uh, actually this uh, this one has a little piece from David Brothers as well and right off the bat you get this very interesting interview with Eric Larson he's the creator of Savage Dragon from Image Comics one of the original titles from Image Comics back in the early 90s and now he is the head, one of the head honchos at Image Comics and still doing that particular title. I mean, it just, it's 225 issues and still going strong of Savage Dragon. So I probably read the first hundred or so. I've been wanting to go back and, and I'm a completist. So I want to get up in there and finish them all. But this interview with Eric Larson is really interesting from the humble beginnings of Image to where it is today, his take on it and where he thinks it's going in the future and also what he thinks that, that comic books should be doing better. So really neat to see an interesting critique from Mr. Eric Larson. I mean, he is uh, one of the, the godfathers of comics. I mean, he, he took that chance and left Marvel like so, so many of the team of Image did and helped start Image Comics. And it is what it is today because of Eric Larson. And they also show just a little glimpse in his one-shot comic that he's doing called Mighty Man, which looks interesting. It's kind of a sort of Superman slash Shazam uh, sort of story of where this young nine-year-old girl is now Mighty Man and how that affects her and how she deals with it. So interesting to see, just a little one-shot from Eric Larson. He didn't actually do the art, which I love his chiseled, blocky style of cartooning. But this uh, person, Nikos Kautis, Kautsis, <laughs> sorry Nikos, is doing the art, but very much in the vein and the style and the genre style of Mr. Eric Larson. Very super bright coloring and just filled with superhero goodness. So you got a little glimpse there, a great interview, and a little glimpse into the new comic coming, which is coming in April. And the next one that they highlight is a comic book called Rose. And it's from the creator Meredith Finch and artist Ig Iguara. And this looks really good. It looks definitely on the fantasy style, epic adventure, sprawling sort of fantasy realm uh, with a twist. It looks definitely interesting. Oh, and next, I think I was a little more excited about this one, honestly. It's from Donnie Coates, and this is, uh, if, you're, if you love Southern Bastards or you love the new one, Loose Ends, it's just these Southern fried stories that keep coming out. Well, there's another one called Redneck, and it's the story of redneck vampires in the South. And they've endured, uh, they've been able to endure being vampires by having a barbecue restaurant where they drink the blood of cows mixed with turpentine, which is ultimately their sort of beer called Bloodweiser. Yes. <laughs> so I'm hooked just on that. 
Art style, of course, is, is very much in that gritty southern bastard style. And it's just dark and noir and creepy. And I'm all in. I'm just loving all these southern fried stories coming out. So check out. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to read Redneck by Image Comics. <clears throat> and part, sorry for the coughing and snorting and clogginess. I uh, apologize now. I've just been a little under the weather. And they always uh, highlight a local comic book shop. And this one's called Dragon's Lair. Looks very, very cool. It's focused on gaming. Looks like it's in the Houston area. Houston and San Antonio have two locations. And I like the little write-up there. I just love to see when Image tries to... Or they don't try to. They do it. Uh, just... Just show some love and appreciation to the local comic book shops out there. They know how hard it is to keep it going and to keep people interested and to be diverse and offer something new and fresh to get to get customers into their store. So they highlight the Dragon's Lair and very cool. If I'm ever in that area, I'm going to check them out. And the next story is, uh, I sort of mentioned it last podcast. It's a highlight of the upcoming comic called Plastic. This is by Doug Wagner and our art team of Daniel Hilliard and Laura Martin. And this is that really messed up story, sort of a serial killer story, where the main character, serial killer, his love interest is like a blow-up doll. So strange, messed up, over-the-top violent. I can't wait to check out Plastic. It'll definitely, I think, shock us and have some jaw-dropping moments. And then there's a uh, kind of an interesting, almost looks like sort of all ages feel to this comic coming out from Kyle Starks. He does the story, the art, and the cover. I love that when you have, of course, an artist doing all three aspects. And it's called Rock Candy, Rock Candy Mountain. And this just shows sort of the life of uh, this this sort of super hobo and his arch nemesis who looks like as kind of a vampire or a demon who has kind of small horns coming out of his head. So it sort of introduces us into this different sort of unique hobo world. And our main character is like the king of the hobos. Or super hobo. Or something like that. But he's this this demon or devil is hot on the trail of Mr. Super Hobo. So I, I gotta read that. Gotta check it out. I love all the diverse mixes of strange genres and interesting storytelling. So I'm definitely, definitely in. There's another one called Black Cloud. Which looks very strange. That was, I would say, the one that I just kind of didn't grasp the concept from the intro but I definitely still want to look at it and it's again it's called Black Cloud interesting striking cover with a uh, sort of a, like a like a black woman in very uh, realistic sort of clothing not a superhero outfit but holding like which is sort of like a lightsaber but with like a lightning bolt uh, that's glowing and emanating off of the rod so interesting to see what that's all about and it does look like it's kind of in modern day setting so I got to see what that's all about. Their comics uncovered recaps some maybe some great image comics that you've missed in the past. And they highlight some great stuff here like Fatal, Demonic, uh, Demonic, Kill or Be Killed, uh, She-Wolf, just to name a few that they kind of just uh, to make sure you didn't forget about some great stuff by image that has come out in the last few years. And I love that they have that little section again called Comics Uncovered. And it's just jam-packed. They didn't come with a poster that time, but it was fine. There's another all-ages uh, series they highlight called Street Angel. Story by Brian Maruka and Jim Rugg. Art by Jim Rugg. And it has that Scott Pilgrim-style feel. After-school kung fu special. And it's a hardcover coming out. 20 bucks for 40 pages. So it does say that it's like an oversized edition. So I have to see in kind of what that's all about. Maybe it's in sort of magazine format. But very much... In the vein of Scott Pilgrim. It just has that look and feel and kinetic action movement of Scott Pilgrim. So I got to check that out. And that one again is called 
It's called Street Angel. And the very last thing, of course, is the side slash back slash issuette of Negan, the character we all love to hate on The Walking Dead, and it's uh, chapter number 10. And this is an all-action-packed uh, little mini-issuette, if you will, of Negan and some groups that he runs into. It's kind of a montage of people that he meets on the road. So kind of interesting, a little telling of Mr. Negan. That's right, we hate Negan so much, but we love him. Do we hate him? We love him. But uh, So go get Image Plus Magazine number 10. You don't really need to see the others. They're, they're, although they're fantastic, I would definitely try to get them from your local comic book shop. A lot of them are out of them. They're just gone. I've, I stop at a few shops. They're gone. They don't keep the back issues of them. They're gone. So get it, get, get it yourself together and just jump on board now and start and tell your local comic book shop to get you Image Plus Magazine. It's completely, totally worth the $2. You get snippets of comics that are coming out and like I said, all those other little lovely highlights that I mentioned, but go get it immediately. The next thing that's also on my nerd lobes is the trailer has hit. It's online now, available now, for Samurai Jack's uh, fifth and final season. The little trailer to it, it's amazing. So well-timed. The They've kicked it up a notch with the art style, and that you can tell that it's still very done by hand, but I think they've mixed in some CG influencing here, and it just looks polished and pretty and gorgeous. And I cannot wait to see it again. It premieres March 11th on Adult Swim. That's the fifth and final season of the cartoon series that I love so dearly, Samurai Jack. Oh, and plus, uh, go to AdultSwim.com. They've actually started a Samurai Jack sort of live streaming marathon where they're showing every episode back to back for free. No even like registration required. You can just go to AdultSwim.com, click on Samurai Jack and then Marathon and it's just playing live there. And they even have like a, uh, a live sort of comment stream that's going. So you can, you can log in if you wish to and make comments. And it's kind of fun just to watch what people are saying about things and seeing for free every single Samurai Jack episode back to back. It's just replayed. It's just a marathon. I don't know how long it's going, but get over there. Go to adultswim.com and check it out. You can just leave it on the background and just check it out from time to time. But that's every single episode of Samurai Jack marathon live streaming style. I really dug that. Adultswim.com. Check it out. And the last thing on my nerd brain is that I'm writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. Yes, Zombie Destroyers. I'm actually doing the writing, the coloring, the lettering, and my friend Jordan Hudson is doing his amazing, beautiful art. Thank you, Jordan. And please check out his Instagram, if you'd be so nice to check out his art, at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is lovely. It's delicious. And also, I've managed to grab the website zombiedestroyers.com. There's not much on it, but uh, don't you get tired sometimes of going to websites and it's just you're just overwhelmed by how much content is on something? I feel that way sometimes. I know. Old man, sorry. Get off my lawn, etc. But zombiedestroyers.com is simple. It's just got a few samples of pages one through four. No writing, no coloring, just some raw art that you can see and get a flavor and get a taste of what the comic book that I created looks like. It's called Zombie Destroyers, and it's on zombiedestroyers.com. So check it out from time to time. And just a quick update, I like to throw it out there every so often where we are. Um, I've decided to expand the pages a little bit. Um, I've, I was going to stop somewhere around 26, 27, but I've decided to expand a little with some additional splash paging to really bring home some action. And again, uh, as I mentioned on Podcast 91, I've added a single page, a sort of separate side issue based on a true event that happened in my life when I was eight years old back in 1980, yes, a million years ago, 
but that's added it as well so it's expanding out I'm doing a little tweak writing to right now in the 20s uh, late 20s to get that over to Jordan so he can finish up he's actually wrapping up on page 18 right now so can't wait to get that in my grubby little digits but there you go that's a little zombie destroyers update and also just mentioned a spotlighting segment that we have that I've just got backed up just had a lot of stuff going on you all know how it is um, but I've got four interviews potentially five uh, lined up that are coming very soon for interviews of of people that are in the that are trying to get into the comic book business they're trying to break in they're independent comic book creators like myself that are just trying to get into the biz and I'm trying to do what I can here to sort of share their information shine some sunspots comics love on them and support them so if you actually know somebody that's a you know, maybe they're a colorist, an, an, a writer, an artist. It doesn't matter. If they're just trying to break into comic books and, and have a full-time job in comic books or, or create a comic book, just send me a link to their work at to my direct email, chris at sunspotscomics.com. Or, of course, send me a message, send me a link on all the social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc., at sunspotscomics. Because I'm trying to do it myself. I know it's tough to get out there, so I want to want to do my part to, to showing all the listeners who these people are and all these great creators that are trying to make it into comic books. So, so there you go. So now, on to the favorite, my favorite, my personal favorite, part of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is the part that I love to just live in, which is my comic book reviews and recommendations, where I pick my favorite comic books for New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, February 1st. And of course, spoiler-ish alert... I really don't waste every single moment and tell you everything. I don't ruin comics, but... Oh, by the way, I don't even touch the last couple of pages. I just stay away from it. But I really just work hard to just kind of harness my powers of personal persuasion uh, to inspire you to go buy these comic books and walk into a local comic book shop and, buy, and shop and buy them. So, But you've kind of been warned. I do discuss some of the topics, not all of them. And I definitely speak in a sort of cryptic manner and go over each comic book quickly. So you really don't have to worry. But just in case, spoiler-ish alert. And if you want to see everything that I'm reading, all my favorite picks of the weeks since May of 2015, just go to sunspotscomics.com. Click on the pull list to see every single title I'm reading, which is currently 133 titles. And it's actually a few more. i got to go in there and update it, that particular list. Also, click on Top Comic Books of the Week to see all the past top picks. I mean, it's right there. It's simplified. It's laid out in a beautiful little list there. It's compacted. Just go to sunspotscomics.com to see every single one of my favorite comic books of the week since I started this in May of 2015. I'm super proud of it, so please check it out. And this week, the big winner, winners. I like to pick every single week my personal art winner favorite and my favorite artist cover winner of the week. And this week, it's one and the same person. It's Martin or Martin Morazzo. I follow him on Instagram, by the way, at Martin Morazzo, M-O-R-A-Z-Z-O for electric sublime issue four and it is truly sublime it's just absolutely beautiful it's even the cover i'll start there it he writes out the letters electric sublime with the background art of a ton of various things melded into the background of the words electric sublime for each letter is different in its background you have the sky is one background of the letter beautiful just sort of flowering and rainbow type coloring uh, you have like a ballerina there you have like a um a very sort of uh, uh like a campbell tomato soup there's that rockwellian look and there's an ocean it's just each and every single letter that's painted in with a different background color it's so eye-popping it has a sort of natural sort of tan canvas background so it really feels like 
a just glistening beautiful piece of art and yet our main character is chasing the villain with his sidekick uh, right mixed in <clears throat> and the policewoman that is also part of the story is there at the bottom part of the line so it's just beautiful to look at I mean even the E the very last E from uh, the word sublime is like a Rubik's cube of coloring it just even has that feel to it but it's just a wonderful beautiful work of art and the art in the interior is unique it's different it's not like everything you've seen in comics there are some very super clean lines and there's really something to be said about that a very clear and concise I've said it before uh, style of storytelling where you absolutely know exactly what's happening in a comic like this that's mixed very much and art infused it can be easy to get muddled in as to what's really happening Martin Martin Morazzo does not do that here it's very clean his lines are very crisp very fresh very finely tuned lines they are absolutely delicious to look at and you always sort of know where his camera at working is where the camera angles come from they make sense they're angles that are also just sort of exciting they're slightly tweaked they're not just sort of flat and he does a great job of some unique sort of panel lining separation done with like a fade-in tool that gives it this sort of cloud effect you have to just see it to understand what I'm talking about but the colors are crisp vibrant they do snap and grab some CG background photos for pieces of art that are there but they're um, they're recognizable you know Van Gogh's and Rembrandt's and 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 it's just it's just beautiful beautiful stuff and you're getting to see some of uh, my personal favorite uh, art on on the backgrounds and uh, Salvador Dali's just a mixture of everything um, and it's uh, it's top-notch uh, hats off to Martin Morazzo absolutely winner as I did my battle that I do for art every single week I had 10 of my top favorite picks uh, down to 10 and I was battling them all kind of a, a Mortal Kombat style of comics I have one on the left one on the right and I go through this beat everyone hands down easily never had to really uh, deliberate too long on any particular battle going on easily the winner for Electric Sublime number four Martin Morazzo check him out on Instagram at Martin M-A-R-T-I-N Morazzo M-O-R-A-Z-Z-O beautiful easily cover winner and art winner of the week hands down simple and the breakdown this week I actually bought 19 comics and 10 of them made it to my great one list which is great that's that is over that 50% that I always want to be at I love when I get more than 50% of them to be great because I only discuss and recommend to you the greats not any of the goods but I always feel like my money is well spent if at least 50% of them are great and that is exactly what happened here so 10 of them made it to the great ones recommendation list this week and new number ones man I was surprised there was uh, there was one two three four new number ones and that's uh, that's pretty good for a, for a week right there and uh, it looks like out of the four new number ones three of them made it to the to the list of 10 so that's pretty good that's and the three that made it are exciting I'm gonna talk about them here shortly but not bad for for three out of four of the new number ones making it to the list so good stuff I like it so on to the show let's get into it these are my top comic book recommendations these are the great ones the list of comic books that I bought on Wednesday new comic book day February 1st I consider these comics to be the, the super great ones this week and only the great ones like I said make it to the Sunspots comics recommendation list so here we go coming in at number 10 this is one of those new number ones Planet of the Apes Green Lantern number one and I have just been missing 
Green Lantern in my life. Like, unfortunately, the 52 launch of Green Lantern didn't do it for me. I tried it for a couple of issues, but this little crossover, because I've been loving what they've been doing with Planet of the Apes, and now they just threw in Green Lantern. So it's from Boom Studios, of course, partnered with DC. This is a team story written by Robbie Thompson, artist by Barnaby Bagenda. And also you have, uh, as writer, Justin Jordan. So you have story by Robbie, write, written by Justin. So they've sort of partnered together. But the art is solid. I was really surprised. Um, it's sort of a step up from the last uh, Pla Captain or Planet of the Apes uh, story I've been reading, which was the Tarzan on Planet of, Planet of the Apes. This is definitely a sort of notch up from that. And that was not bad by any means. So this is, uh, this is pretty good art. Solid art. But conceptually, I thought was interesting was that they sort of introduce a new ring. It may not be an absolutely new ring, uh, just from my lack of Green Lantern continuity education. But um, it's a, a sort of a new ring that encompasses what looks like all of the powers of the rings uh, combined, uh, depending on the individual, or it somehow morphs to the the personality of the ring bearer. And it's fallen upon a planet where the planet of the apes exist, exist, and it looks like our Caesar. Of course, uh, they sort of, again, are doing what Tarzan on the planet of the apes did, which is meld together a bunch of different planet of the apes stories and movies and, and storylines, which I really like. <clears throat> so I thought that was interesting in itself. And so we have an ape that has this ring. He's not sure what to do with it. It seems like he's having a difficult time keeping his government together. There's a lot of people in the ape community, I guess, that just sort of want to branch out and do their own thing. And he's sort of a scientist and an educated uh, ape that is trying to bring their government together. And he's definitely challenged with that. But the ring that he has found is changing colors. At one point, it's red. It has sort of a triangular uh, symbol on it, which to me does not look familiar in any way, shape, or form. I'm not familiar with where that symbol came from. But I like just the look of the ring, and I like that it's giving a warning to all the lanterns that are sort of in the area. And it's sort of alerting everyone, from red lanterns to green lanterns to yellow lanterns uh, to even, um, yes, the, uh, the what's his name, uh, the evil villain, the yellow lantern evil villain. Uh, and there's a ton of them here. <laughs> and they, they, I guess they call it the universal ring. So maybe if we've seen it before, I don't know, but it seemed fresh to me, seemed different. And I like it. I am completely on board. It's, it seems like it's going to be a very large cast. So far, we're mostly just in this introduced to sort of the players that are going to be involved to sort of go after this ring. They, they all have this strange uh, alert, this cross-chronal disruption that's detected on all of their rings. And they have to investigate. And the Guardians come in. And of course, they're being very Yoda and cryptic-like. Uh, not really giving advice to that they know of this universal ring. Um... That maybe they don't, maybe they do. They're just being cryptic and speaking the way that they normally do. And how Jordan's going to investigate. He's on hot on his trail to find out what's going on. Sinestro, that's the name I was left forgetting to mention. But he's also hot on the trail, this universal ring. And so it's pitting them against each other. So here they are. It's like Arch Nemesis and Green Lantern. So I like that. And I don't know how Sinestro managed to be here. I don't understand the continuity. I don't care. I just like that it's mixing the Tarzan or the uh, Planet of the Apes uh, like the Tarzan series did. 
and now throwing in the Green Lantern. So I'm in. I want to see where this goes. I hope it's solid. It was a great intro. Positive, like I said, from the get-go. Really just kind of setting the stage. But I've got to see where this goes and what that ring does and what that particular ape uh, Caesar is going to do uh, when he is able to control it. Like what's going to happen there. Seems like they're gearing it up for him to being the primary bad guy and maybe the the all of the landers have to band together to stop him or the this uh the planet of the apes could take over as lanterns i'm not sure but anyway totally digging it new number one jump on now planet of the apes green lantern number one it's the number 10 pick and coming in at number nine is star wars issue number 28 and this is written by I love all of his writing right now. He's writing a bazillion things. Jason Aaron and art by Salvador La Roca. So this goes back into the C-3PO has been captured. R2-D2 is going rogue and has decided to steal an X-Wing and try to find uh, C-3PO, his buddy. Uh, Luke happens to be in the ship and that's just how it's how it goes down. Luke didn't want to maybe go necessarily after C-3PO by himself, but he sort of uh, kind of went back and forth of what he was going to do there, but R2 decided as R2 just took off and made it happen. So he's got a long distance to go, and he decided to throw in the second part of the Yoda standalone sort of series where Obi-Wan wrote in his journal as he's watching, boringly I'm sure, and for most times, watching Luke on this planet as he grows, and, and he remembers or recollects a story that Yoda told him, and he writes it in his journal, and that's what Luke is reading here. And I'm totally in on this. Uh, Yoda's crash landed on this weird planet, not crash landed. He felt a disturbance in the force, uh, and it ends up being this strange blue crystal that these young sort of Lord of the Rings children on this planet are using in all types of force-related ways. And so Yoda humbles himself to this uh, person that he's found that was... Uh, he took this uh, strange part of the intro here was he took this this prisoner of this war that's going on between these young kids. He takes the prisoner as a active piece to back to this the camp and the, this arduous road up this giant mountain in the snow. This uh, this guy gave up and just just leapt from the from the mountain. He couldn't handle going up this mountain. And little Yoda, a little frail as you think is frail just continues on the the climbing of this blue crystal mountain uh, all by himself and it's just uh you could tell that he's like they have this solemn look on yoda i love that it's just you could tell like he's just kind of meditating as he's walking up this this everest like crystal blue force infused hill and i love what he finds i love that there is another group that he's introduced to sort of a third group that is ultimately kind of the adults or the parents. It has that sort of Peter Pan vibe, like maybe this is where the the parents hide out because the kids have all kind of gone a little crazy and uh, and love uh, their mischievous ways. But Yoda, the cool part of this is when he humbles himself after he's sort of banished from the adult camp as he continues his journey to the heart of the mountain. He stumbles across this another young child that has this red swirl on his forehead, painted on his forehead. And he's very strong in this force-like powers using this blue-like crystal. And Yoda humbles himself to be his student, to become the Padawan to this young child. As Yoda helps feed him and brings his strength back, he's showing him that he can sort of use the force with his stone power. And Yoda really just wants to learn it and understand it and humbles himself and says, I am now the teacher. You are the master. <laughs> so I just thought, what a cool little twist and how cool that it's that's Yoda just being humble. I mean, he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't need to be. 
I mean, he's the all-powerful Yoda. Come on now. I always felt like he could just, you know, uh, convince this child in some Jedi mind trick. But he doesn't. He just humbles himself and says, teach me. Teach me the ways of the Blue Force. Yes. <laughs> so, I love it. I'm in. I want to see what happens here. It feels like the next one will be the last one. And maybe we'll go back to the primary story of Luke trying to save the captured C-3PO. But who knows? Maybe it'll stretch out a little longer. I, I hope so. I love living in this little world with this little Yoda backstory. So, and then now that everything is canon, right? It all counts. Will we see this blue crystal? I thought it would be a, a kyber crystal. It is not. At least it doesn't seem to be. And there's a giant mountain of it. So... Where is it now in, in as, far, as far as continuity goes? Where is that mountain? What happens? So, uh, well, if the prequels taught us anything, right? It probably doesn't exist anymore. But anyway, uh, that's, it's, a, it's a top solid. Star Wars has always been consistent. Super duper good. But you can start with 27 with, a, with the first issue of the Yoda standalone series from the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi. But check it out. Super good. And coming in at number eight from Image Comics is The Walking Dead issue number 163. This is written by Robert Kirkman, art by Charlie Adlert. And this, one thing I say that's kind of goofy is the Whisperer War, well, I think was numbered wrong because it's ultimately still going here. So they shouldn't have ended what they called the Whisper War in six issues. The, and it, it's still going. I think it's, it ended two issues ago and it's, we're still in the in the in like in the middle of it honestly it's not like it's at the tail end and we're seeing the epilogue etc it is right in the middle of this whisper war it's still happening so um if you've been reading along you know that in the last issue there is the super horde of zombies i'm sure mixed in with whispers that that wear the zombie skin on their bodies <laughs> They are, I'm sure, mingled in there, but it is a super horde coming their way. I can't tell you too much because you know how Kirkman writes. It's just, uh, it'll, it'll be major spoilers, but this is action-packed. This is tense. This is a super horde of zombies coming towards the three towns. They've got to put things aside, stop their bickering and arguing and whatnots, and just uh, somehow come up with a way to deal with these super Z horde coming towards them. And there's a few aspects of a super horde that are infused in here that feels a little fresh. I don't want to give away exactly what it is, so it ruins it, but you'll see what I'm saying. It feels a little fresh. feels like we haven't done it before. And hats off to Robert Kirkman and his writing style because he makes it feel fresh and feel new. And they're dealing with new challenges here. And it is. It's a different group now. And it's an older group. And they were they were just kind of chilling out for a little while and maybe got a little lazy. Well, they're, uh, everything is on level 10 level of intensity now here, so... You gotta see kind of what happens. Uh, there is a Michonne in it, and there's Jesus, and there's Negan. How's that all gonna work? Some of that's in here, so go get it. That's all I'm gonna tell you about Walking Dead. It's still been solid, still consistent. The intensity level is up, and it's still in the middle of the Whisper War. I don't know why they said it was. It had ended. It hasn't. Still very much going on. Whisper War Part Eight. I'll call it right now. <laughs> so check out The Walking Dead. An easy buy. Go get it. And coming in at number seven is another one of the number ones, and it's Darth Maul, Star Wars Darth Maul, issue number one, and this is written by Colin Bunn of the of the Harrow County series. So when I saw that his Colin Bunn's name was on it, I'm like, I'm in, done, and art by Luke Ross. So we have had Darth Maul in comics in the past and, and novels, etc., so nothing really new here. But I just felt that with how consistent and how amazing all of the Star Wars titles will be, it was just a no-brainer. They got my money. It was like an easy thing. And I love Darth Maul. I wish they hadn't killed him so soon. I mean, I know they kind of brought him back in, 
in the Clone Wars or Rebels, one of the two animated series, and he has uh, where he was chopped off in half. He has kind of octopus robotic tendrils, etc. So uh, I know it wasn't really counted as canon per se. I think so. Darth Maul, I think, is just dead. And and but this is a, of course, going back into kind of pre-episode one where uh, Palpatine is really just telling Darth Maul to do nothing. Like, your time will come, things are going to happen soon. And this is sort of Darth Maul being bored and sort of making sure that his skills are still sharp. And he goes to this planet to kill Rathars. Yes, episode seven, Rathars. Right? And as far as I can remember, as far as the movie realm goes, Rathars were the first, the first time we saw Rathars was in episode seven. But who knows, could have been in one of the animated series to the novels, etc. I'm sure it was. For some reason, I have a feeling like I've seen it before. And I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> no, just kidding. But anyway, so he's fighting. Uh, they're pack hunters is what Darth Maul uh, recognizes quickly as he's fighting Rathars here. So the opening sequence is just, you know, just hits the ground running. You really don't have any setup. It's Darth Maul. He's trying to keep his, his you know, his dark Sith forces uh, sharp. And he's not using his lightsaber here, but just has kind of a, an axe that's awesome. I love the design of the, of the it's a spear uh, length axe on the end that is multi-angled and it's just beautiful looking fits very well into the look of Darth Maul from his you know his flowing robes and that stark that that stark red and black lined and his yellow eyes and the horns on his head it's just iconic and beautiful and I love that that little touch of his eyes that look kind of like the sun they're red around the edges and yellow in the center and the little black dot in the very pupil it's just just gorgeous and then they do a couple of zoom ins on his eyes and it's just like yes it just feels right it pairs right it's just amazing but palpatine is introduced in a couple of little scenes here just saying like your time will come hang tight your time will come that's really all you need to know there and there's some other jedi that he's sort of stalking and it's part of i guess his sith training just to be able to not be detectable and to hide himself in the force to be elusive yes but uh it's um i can't tell you if anything happens there you're gonna have to read it but that is the overall gist of this, and I want more of it. I want to see what happens here. Does Darth Maul push it? Does he get uh, does he get so you know on edge that he just can't wait for his time? Is that part of the reason why he failed? And I, I love the little back and forth between him and Palpatine. It's well written. Colin Bunn knows what he's doing. Conversationally, that's definitely a strong suit of where Colin Bunn lives. It feels real, and it feels right, and it uh, definitely has that that master and apprentice uh, back and forth and at odds with each other. But um, will Darth Maul listen? Will he do as he's absolutely told or will he go off and do his own thing? Well, he ultimately is, but to what level, what extreme level is he going to go to in this, uh, in this Jedi Sith practice that he's decided to do, you know, Dark Knight Sith practice. So got to see where this goes. Got to see more of Darth Maul. I'm completely in. I don't know if it's a, I'm sure it's going to be a mini. doesn't feel like it, uh, where the timing is and where it starts is has enough time really to to be where episode one begins as far as the movie does oh and the and it's an awesome little director's cut feel a little extra bonus in the back of sort of a little side story with no dialogue of Darth Maul's little probe droid little his little floating uh, robot that is seen in episode one they give it personality. They give him his own little mission and that he uh, sort of gets lost from Darth Maul, meets another uh, droid that sort of helps him find Darth Maul again. And they go on a little journey. It's like this little buddy robot journey. And there aren't any words. It's no dialogue. Just 
just these robot clicks and burps and chooms and vrooms. <clears throat> and it's it's fun and lovely. And it's cartooning style, so definitely uh, all ages and feels young and feels fresh and fun. So check it out. I don't want to tell you the outcome of that, but it's it's fun and cute and adorable. And you can see this like strip collected. I, I hope they do enough of them to where it, this could just be a little side collection. It would be great. Maybe they'll just put it all together in a trade or a hardback collection. But it's super, super good. That little sort of floating drone droid that that is uh, Darth Maul's little little companion when you see him uh, in the uh, episode one in the movie. So check that out. Darth Maul, even the bonus thing made it just that much better. An easy pick. That's the number seven, Darth Maul, number one. Check it out. Coming in at number six from Marvel Comics is Moon Knight. Number 11, and this is written by Jeff Lemire and art by Greg Smallwood. And it's so refreshing and so awesome to see Greg Smallwood back full-time. I mean, he's dabbled and partnered with other people, but this is just all Greg Smallwood, and his art is amazing. But this is a, an interesting little glimpse again into Mark Spector's world as far as when he is trying to get some psychiatric help and and he uh, someone in his family uh, passes and there is a solemn, just quiet, kind of heart-wrenching moment of this family all surrounded together, gathered together for this funeral services. And the, the emotions on the faces, are you really feel them. It, it really has this, this heavy moment of sadness and it just, it just pours off the page. And it shows that little awkward after party, the aftermath of the, of the funeral services and the family gathering and how awkward that is and we've all been there right and it just it feels very real it's written very very genuine and you have to give hats off to Jeff Lemire he knows how to do sort of sad depressing moments <laughs> but I mean that in a good way and as a compliment to you Jeff Lemire it's it's wonderfully realistic and feels real and you definitely see that as a part of Mark Spector's psychosis of maybe where he had his psychotic break and when his multiple personality syndrome disorder started this would kind of be it. It's a very hard and heavy moment. And even his mother starts talking to him. He says, like, uh, Mark, are you listening to me, Mark? And he's like, Mark isn't here anymore. Mrs. Spector, uh, you're, you're talking to Jake. And it's just like right there in the middle of it. And you see that, that beautiful 80s room of his gutted. And it's a little sad to see that. And you, you, you saw how rich that room was with 80s paraphernalia and Star Wars stuff and and now it's just sort of sad and it's a hollow shell of that. And yeah, it's just um, emotionally gripping. And as he looks up at the crescent moon, he hears Khonshu's voice. And again, it's like that birth of Moon Knight is what we're seeing in Glimpse. But then we go back to where we are and, and right up to, to current day. And he has decided to take on this task uh, of this gatekeeper of this strange feral realm that's now taken over New York. Uh, in order to save the soul of one of his friends. They, they've, he's admittedly, this gatekeeper has taken his friend's soul as a as payment for a ticket to cross the realm. Well, he wants his friend's soul to be free, and he's taken on this mission of gathering something for this gatekeeper. I don't want to tell you, tell you what it is, but... So he goes on this strange, psychedelic trip into that weird pharaoh world, if you will, and... Yeah, there's some strange oddity things going on there, and there is an art change right at that moment that goes into some strange paneling, uh, some definite uniqueness and use of white space to give it this very ethereal feel, and it definitely has that 
That Starfield Strange Galaxy is the primary background, which definitely gives it a, an odd, otherworldly feel, but beautifully done by Greg Smallwood. Just beautiful. He loves these sort of triangular-shaped panels that blend in and infuse with rectangular-shaped panels. It's just very geometric and uh, mathematic for, for to describe it in a weird way. But it's top-notch. It has always been top-notch. Moon Knight is one of my favorite comics now of all time i can say that it's just it's a twist on reality you don't know what's real and what's not real but will mark specter make it out of this psychedelic realm to save the spirit of his friend that's what what this is at its core and you also get a glimpse into mark specter's very short military life and kind of what happened there and uh it's interesting <laughs> so you have to read this but it's been great check out moon knight issue number 11 solid top-notch beautiful art and coming in at number five is the another new number one this week from Aftershock Comics. This is Blood Blister issue number one. This is <clears throat> actually written by Phil Hester, who's known for his beautiful art on Shipwreck and so many others, of course. He's a master class artist. But Phil Hester's taken on the writing uh, duty here with Tony Harris on art. Tony Harris, for me, has done some beautiful work like Ex Machina or Ex Machina. That, uh, he, his, Tony Harris's art is gorgeous. He has a very crisp, very sharp cartooning style and yet very full of emotion and a ton of lines with a lot of detail. He is meticulous with all of the attention to detail that he spends on every line, every nook, every cranny. That is Tony Harris, so it is beautiful. And it looks a little different for Tony Harris's work. And that's what I actually really enjoyed right off the bat. I sort of was expecting one sort of style, and he changed it up a little bit. But the premise of Blood Blister is a little strange, a little out there, and I don't know exactly where it's going. The cover shows this man that looks sort of like Two-Face. Half of his body very blistered and porous and gooey. And the other half looks totally normal. It's a very Two-Face looking character who looks like some sort of demon. Well, our main character, um, his name is Brand Hull, and he is like, maybe works for an insurance company and trying to get people to sign a petition or join his, his class action lawsuit. Maybe it's for fracking, maybe it has to do with chemicals or something related to the big corporations trying to wipe out uh, the small, small farmland of people that are that happen to be located on a piece of land that his company really, really wants. So he's he's devious. He is uh, he's a he's a snake oil salesman. Our primary character uh, is, and Brand Hall seems like he's just hell bent on getting these people to sign off and lose their land and give them pennies for it. But what's strange is that they these this this couple here, which is an old man hooked to a oxygen tank and a very gruesome looking old woman that always has a cigarette in her mouth, and, uh, and he's got this trucker cap on, and they mention their daughter Lexi, who is who does not move and she's never spoken and she just lies in her bed, and she weighs like you know 800 pounds, <clears throat> and she's never really said anything and she speaks, and she's never spoken before and what she has is related to our character here but gives hint or glimpse that maybe he is a demon of some sort and even the lettering got to give props to the lettering here they use like red font and red letters uh, when the daughter Lexi is talking like she's maybe possessed just gives that sense and that lettering so hats off to the letterer there a little unique touch that I really thought added a little something which is nice and unique and different 
So the daughter Lexi speaks, and it's a horrifying little moment. So this is ultimately a horror comic, I believe, dealing with some sort of demon, some sort of entity, and uh, attorneys and lawyers. So, you know, they're not too far from each other, right? They completely relate. <laughs> but anyway, that's really all I want to kind of tell you, because they do give you a little understanding at the very, very end. But there is a cool scene where he goes to like a, like a house haunt, like a family uh, haunted house, and some really weird stuff happens in there that I can't quite understand what's happening. Is it a dream? Is it not a dream? It's crazy. But the guy is even like a deadbeat dad. So you really don't like this character. You're not really rooting for him. I found myself just sort of hoping that uh, maybe this is a one shot and this guy just sort of meets his demise. But uh, not the case. It definitely is going to keep going. But I want to read it. I want to see where this goes. Uh, maybe demons are involved. Um, some weird stuff happens at this crazy house haunt. And uh, yeah, I'm in. And you got to give props to Tony Harris's art. It's gorgeous to look at. Unique paneling, strange symbols and lightning bolts he likes to put. He likes to use up panel space sometimes with just some weird uh, angles and circles and lightning bolts. So that's just his style. He did that in Ex Machina too. Even the sort of edging of panels have a, a sort of 40s movie theater feel to them with some like gold designs along the edges and, and black backgrounds too, by the way. So not a lot of white here. It's very dark. You're very immersed. You're drawn in with the black backgrounds and the gold sort of accenting around the edges. It gives you that old horror movie feel and style. I love it. It's very stylized. It's very unique. It has a different feel and twist to it. I'm in. So check out Blood Blister if you can get it. I know it's Aftershock Comics. They can be a little tough to get sometimes at your local comic book shops, but let them know. I'm, this has, I have a feeling this is going to reprint. With Tony Harris's art, mark my words, they'll be reprinting this. It's going to sell out, I'm sure, and you can get one when it reprints. But coming in at number four is the uh, another of the uh, premieres. This is maybe not necessarily a premiere. I didn't really count it as a number one, but it's Vampirella number zero. And this was the uh, 25 cent issue last week to just kind of get you enticed and get you back into Vampirella. But this one really surprised me. I guess I bought it because it was just 25 cents. So, you know, not a lot, of, not a big investment. But I was really surprised. The cover art is gorgeous. This is Vampirella issue number one. This is from uh, written by Park Paul Cornell and art by Jimmy Broxton. And the primary cover is very anime feel, very different for Vampirella, very updated, very modernized. You're used to seeing her in that skimpy little one-piece sort of bathing suit looking thing, and yes, she's a vampire with the long hair. This gives her a much shorter feel and um, much, much less voluptuous, a little like a realistic woman on this cover. And I like that. I like the feel of it. It's a twist. It's something different. They're definitely trying to modernize Vampirella, and I like it. I, I want to see where this goes. This is... Uh, art and color by Jimmy Broxton. He definitely. Oh, the the cover, by the way, that really. There's three covers. There's a J. Scott Campbell cover, but the one I thought was the best was the Philip Tan. And like I said, felt very anime, very modernized, very stylized, and very sort of current and up to date. But this is a cool sort of archaeolo archaeologist dig at, at the beginning. But it's very much in the future. The the this couple has a definitely Kirby style look to them, Jack Kirby style of art. They're very much in the future, but lots of pinks and oranges and weird hats, and it's just something out of a like a 40s or 50s uh, like space futuristic sci-fi movie. So at first you think maybe you're watching an old movie in that respect, <clears throat> but they're very much in the future, and, and that's a unique look at the future. And there is a sort of commentary at the bottom sort of telling you what Vampire may be doing or what Vampire Vampirella is feeling or, or, or wondering or dreaming. And that added a unique 
sort of weird twist. And the font, by the way, in that was very 70s. So you have this very weird 40s, 50s-like sci-fi feel with the look of these three characters crossing this insane uh, snowy tundra. And there's even some rock mountain formation where the name of the comic is 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 etched there in stone. That's a, a very sort of homage to the 40s, 50s uh, campy B movies. I've seen it a million times. But they're trying to escape from something. Uh, a group, a colony of people, which they just sort of reference. But there's three people here, and they're f sort of running for their lives. And but they're also on this sort of archaeologic, like a like a, a dig, and and uh, um, they're you know looking for sort of an artifact of some sort. So you you can't help but think they're you know they're looking for Vampirella, obviously. But then these demons sort of cross the sky, these flying sort of demons, and they they call them the Great Devil. The Great Devil has found us. The Great Devil is after us, and they're shining beam beams of light down on them. And then they're just they they know that one of them has to sacrifice himself and stay back and try to fight them off while the other two make it over this hill into this this cave. And that's what happens. But uh, yeah, what what happens when they find uh, what we think is Vampirella just from the look of it is different from the cave that they're in gives hints as to her background and some of her history. I really like that. Um, I did uh, collect Vampirella, Vampirella years ago, but I have not even looked at it in maybe 20 years. Um, but it was interesting to see the twist that they're doing here and, and what Vampirella was like and what condition and shape she's in when they found her. But I love the books and things that they find to reference her and give you kind of an understanding of her backstory. And uh, what these people do here was a little bit surprising. And I got to see more of this. I want to see where it goes. Like... Is is that Vampirella? Is she going to rise from from her condition? Like, what's what's going to happen? But I love this journal that they reference that's there, and to giving us a glimpse into her life. And yeah, I, I definitely want to see some of the uh, glimpses into issue number one. Definitely has Vampirella looking different, and again modernized, and has twisted this lady vampire look. And I got to see where it goes. I mean, uh, I'm hopeful this uh, is good. It has a great art style, unique. Some of the, like I said, the lettering and the narration done in that weird pink 70s font. And it just has a monster, a B-monster movie feel to it that I really enjoyed. So if you like B-monster movies, check out Vampirella Zero. That's 25 cents. I mean, you can't go wrong. It was my surprise of the week. But if I would have paid $4 for this, I would have been completely happy. And that was, why, that was uh, kind of the the factor that made it a top pick. I was like, wow, if this was four bucks, I would have been completely happy. It would have been a pick of the week regardless. But it has a great art style, sweeping epic action adventure at the beginning, and a vampire, Vampirella, and vampires, I mean, you come on. And wh what is this, when are they? When are they is what I really want to know, and so I'm in. Gotta pick it up, Vampirella, zero, for 25 cents. So here we go now, breaking in and busting out the top three. Here we go, these are the top three comics for Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, February 1st. So here we go. Coming in at number three is Electric Sublime. Issue number four of four. This is from IDW. This is written by W. Maxwell Prince, and this is the art winner and the art cover winner, Martin Martin Morazzo. And uh, again, check him out at Martin Morazzo on Instagram. His art's gorgeous. But this, again, cover has that just the word, uh, the words Electric Sublime written out with unique coloring and shading and art reference on each and every single letter that is different. None of it makes uh, any any cohesive sort of feel, color. It's just all over the place. And it's gorgeous to look at. And 
His art style, like I said, super clean lines. Uh, it's very unique panel edging, like I said, where it's this sort of cloud-like line divider, which gives it a very dreamlike feel. Definitely interesting and in, uh, unique panel uh, shaping and sizing and camera angles. So it has a very cool and unique feel to it that you just sort of love living in this world. But this is where the this young child that can dream up something and paint it on a page uh, is actually coming true and murdering multiple people with this strange imagination this child had, which is really funny. I was thinking about the Monsters Unleashed. Sort of has that same concept with a child that's drawing on something that is creating monsters. Sort of weird, but I read this first, technically. So hats off, Mr. Maxwell Prince. But this is the, the, the sort of end of this arc. I can definitely see this continue going, is all I'll say. But the Electric Sublime is this sort of art dream realm, uh, much like uh, this other comic that's coming right into my mind, um, where he steps into a dreamland. And this is a sort of a dreamland of art. And he has a sidekick, which is those, <clears throat> those multi-articulate models that artists use to uh, properly convey the physics of their realistic characters when they're doing portraits, etc. And that has come to life in the in the Electric Sublime and is his partner and has like a beret on <laughs> and is uh, his definite sidekick. But he goes to seek the help of this strange man that has like an apple painted on his face, like a green apple, and he's wearing like, a, like an English Durban. And so he very much has this, I don't know, this Beatles feel, like it's this golden apple feel, like he is a, like a, like a, you know, a, an agent or some musician, a musical manager of some sort, but he's asking for advice on to where this kid is so we can put a stop to it, because our main character, who is kind of certifiably uh, cuckoo pants, <laughs> is hot on the trail of this kid to stop these murders, along with in the real world, someone that didn't cross over, that doesn't cross over in this episode is this detective that is, uh, he's, she's hot on the trail of this this cult that's following this young child and supporting him. And there is this Andy Warhol look-alike character that wears a wig and looks just like him that has is now attacking her. And so it's a, it's a gunfight between the two of them. But our main character is uh, now has a lead. He's heading towards this strange child that draws things and it murders people. And uh, then the gunfight with director Breslin is there fighting the cult that follows this child. And she has this knife fight too with this character that is definitely sort of under hypnotism or under mind control of this group because she's fighting, this man is fighting her with a knife and, and slicing her up, but at the same time telling her to shoot me, put me down, kill me. So he's able to not control his bodily functions basically, but he's still there in mind and telling this police officer to put me down. I won't stop, put me down. And yeah, it's a gruesome fight. And uh, yeah, you have, I, I, I enjoyed every second of it, but it was very gruesome and kind of bloody. And then there's like a, a scene very much reminiscent of the second Matrix movie. I know it wasn't the, the big favorite, but I still loved it. Them fighting on this in this all white, beautiful laid out room and white staircase. And you have this cult of bad guys that all have, that all look the same. They all wear an eye patch. They have a mohawk. They have a white suit with like splattered painted colors on them like like paint like they're all artists but yeah they've got swords axes spikes uh on chains it's crazy and yeah they're going to fight director breslin and she's a badass and she has her gun her fighting skills and her mental toughness that's it 
But yeah, it's this dual fight going on, one in the Electric Sublime and one in the real world. And and so you have this art mashup as well, where there's some paintings you'll recognize. And uh, uh, it's called the Sorret is one of them. Uh, and it's this uh, beautiful, uh, lovely day in the park. And there's these strange, dark monsters there, like uh, these art-painted monsters that are coming after them. Uh, these shadow creatures, if you will. Yeah, gruesome, frightening looking. But so the the du I love the way that he writes the dual fights going on. They're paired so well. They they reach a sort of a crescendo of the fight, and then you you switch off and go to the next one. It's paced so well. It pairs lovely, and they walk through pieces of art that you'll recognize. And yet here's this young boy. What does he do? How does he stop this young child from murdering? Is he going to make him aware of what he's doing or show it to him? Like how's he gonna do it? How he does it is really rather interesting and well done. I mean, hats off. So that's all I want to tell you because I want it to remain a surprise. There's so many other good little points in that. I didn't spoil anything, but get Electric Sublime. I'm sure they're going to collect it, but the 404 is now here. Here it is. And again, artist winner, hands down, and cover artist winner with Martin Morazzo. So beautiful. I was kind of sad and happy to see it end-ish, and I definitely want to see more of electric sublime it's been top pick in in past uh podcasts so check it out and delivered on time monthly as well hats off to you guys so i think once actually it was like i only waited three weeks and i think that was issue three <clears throat> so fantastic electric sublime art and storytelling and beautiful art all coming together gorgeous and uh number two coming in at number two this is the last and the highest placed of the new number one surprisingly another surprise hit but not so surprising. But anyway, it's Planetoid Praxis, issue number one. Now, I read, and this is by Ken Gehring. He does the story, the art, and the lettering, all by him. And you can tell he poured his heart into this. I've read his prior Planetoid, Planetoid series, and it was great. Fantastic science fiction action. This is another sort of side story, sort of not related to that. You can read on your own and pick it up right here with Planetoid Praxis. Praxis. And the cover is gorgeous, very muscular woman here, surrounded by sort of a Geiger uh, style of art uh, with lots of, of lines and mechanism and sort of an organic metallic surrounding and a corpse of someone that's uh, met their demise. Who is that? But the opening sequence of this was truly inspiring, truly lovely, shows this strange ufo landing on a strange planet that's just this round orb of a like planet of uh, ship and you at first don't know the quite the scale of it you, it could be just a small it could be a teeny ball could be a probe could be something we don't know but it lands on this planet it's magnetized it, it stops before it hits the ground all the hissing and clacking and clanking of this weird ship that's completely round and, and very Geiger style kind of art I love that just a ton of lines hats off to Ken Gehring his art is intricate and detailed and he spent time here and love and patience and you feel it and out steps this strange looking alien that also has a just a round sort of helmet, sort of head, you're not quite sure, with just this gleaming glass sort of eye in the center of it. Very striking, very unique. Lots of just sort of flowing robes and very uniquely drawn boots that have just sort of swirl effect on them, giving you that, that little touch of art that they're not completely alien or something, but they've spent some, some time and some love on a little bit of design and look. So... Gives you that humanoid feel, if you will. 
And this is just a quiet opening sequence of this strange creature sort of surveying this very desolate desert landscape style planet. <clears throat> and a little cool tech when uh, it touches its sort of ear and a little something pops up, kind of a little companion. I don't want to completely describe it. I feel like I'm already describing too much, but very cool little science tech. And I love that little attention to detail, something a little unique, something we haven't seen before as far as what's popping and twisting and whirring and humming. So check that out. And some of the unique, just sort of strange alien-like sculptures, if you will, or remnants of a society long gone are so unique to look at and just gives you this very uh, twisted sort of interesting sort of aliens the movie like feel to it and I love that I just love that quiet sequence it had strength it had gravitas it's of this lonely character walking this strange planet and that goes through uh, this rainstorm and finally is introduced into these strange little like lizard like creatures indigen indigenous to the planet and it's just quiet and it just sucks you in and it's like some time goes by here there's definitely some sunrises and sunsets and it's just so gorgeously done and it's kind of like that's all I want to tell you because uh, the rest of it is just so refreshing and interesting but there's definitely been a, some sort of society that's been long gone there is another society that's introduced and there are some there are uh, you know, different uh, sort of diverse uh, groupings of people from humans to not humans and they are familiar with this species we do get to see what the species is and what are they going to do with this species does this species come in peace historically this species of a person that came out of that ship have not been very good but that was a long time ago is that war still raging they're not quite sure they're sort of living on their own people are even leaving this little colony because things are basically good and what do they do here? It's this, it's this social dilemma, and they kind of decide together. There's a, there's a sort of mini-government in place by this primary red-haired woman that's very muscular. And she is the leader, and, but she sort of uh, is leading by telling people that they need to decide together. I mean, she is uh, very diplomatic in that sense, but definitely a twist here. I don't want to go into what it is, but there's definitely some some reflection on uh, today's society and things that are happening in modern day i felt with this sort of mob-like grouping of things that happen and uh, an interesting mixture of science fiction and some modern day reflection of, of things that are happening and also just that that feeling of isolation on this planet and how they've managed to live here you even want to see like how, what are they eating and how do they live here it's just so striking and interesting looking that you want to kind of live in this world i felt very immersed by it and the, and even their social structure and how the kids handle dealing with some of the decisions that are made uh, from this group but solid brand new issue number one i love when this happens and ken thank you very much it was a just a ball of fun uh, from the get-go until the very last page and i can't wait to see what happens next i am in it's added to the pull list but the top of the new number ones this week was planetoid praxis issue number one from ken Gehring. check him out at ken underscore Gehring. i'm pretty sure that's what it was on instagram g-a-r-i-n-g or just look him up ken Gehring. he is uh one a force to be reckoned with i know we're going to see more good stuff from ken because if this is any glimpse as to what's going on inside of his brain uh i want to see more of it give us more glimpses ken i uh, can't wait 
But anyway, that's my number two. But the number one pick of the week was one I've been kind of desperately waiting for. So I think that's why it also plays so high because I just couldn't wait to see it because there's been a little break. But it's Invincible. The number one issue pick of the week is Invincible number 132. And this is like the final 12 issues, I think, before the end, which makes me sad. <laughs> but also awesome because, come on, all great stories come to an end. All great stories have a beginning, middle, and end. Three acts. This is a classic comic book superhero writing. It is maybe my, one of my favorite. No, I can say it, it isn't maybe. It is one of my favorite superhero comics of all time. Written by Robert Kirkman, art by Corey Walker, a cover by Ryan Otley, who also did the interior art for a lot of issues. So I hope he comes back. I love Corey Walker's work as well. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan. I do. I just love Ryan Otley's stuff from his Grizzly Shark, even his independent stuff. To uh, I bought his art book. Uh, he signed it for me. I'm a big Ryan Otley fan. Uh, don't get me wrong. Corey Walker's art here is fantastic. And it's very simple, very clean. Backgrounds are very uh, simplistic. There's not a lot going on. It's to really invade the action that is happening in this issue. It is action-packed. So, Mark is trying to keep his family alive. You have this uh, this this horrible um, the, the, this Viltrumite that's coming after him. That's his arch nemesis. He's uh, he's super strong. He's you know he's Thrag is his name, if I remember correctly. I'm bad with names, you know that. But he is just hell-bent here on just killing his family. And here he is. He's at times got... He has their daughter, like, in his hands. I mean, it is all too just frightening. Their daughter, Tara, is adorable. She's three or four years old. Uh, she's thrown at one point, and you she f uh, finds out that she can fly. Thankfully, you're like, huh. But the action here is, like, they're so close to death in so many scenes. It's just gripping. These are main characters you've really grown to love over 132 issues. And, uh, you know, Mark and his uh, his his wife or baby mom, whatever, his love, uh, Eve, her strange sort of Green Lantern-ish like powers, but they're pink, um, are definitely coming into play here. And they've been comfortable. They've been living on this uh, alien planet, uh, really staying out of major fighting and... These are Viltrumites. They are they are level ten Omega powered beings, and Mark's having a hard time. There's like these these twin. Uh, they're sort of purple skin because the Viltrumite has he's breeding with these like locust uh, like you know grasshopper aliens, and so they grow and age really super fast. And they have the power of the Viltrumite, and they're not half human. So ultimately, I think they line up as a little stronger than Mark, but they're young, they're teens, so he is sort of keeping up, but barely. And Eve definitely is not up to that Viltrumite level of powered, and she, um, you are reminded here that she had lost a, a leg prior, and in her fight, she's fighting the, the daughter Viltrumite slash Lotus creature, although they just look humanoid, but man, Eve is not really holding up her own here, and you're like, this is not looking good and um we all know robert kirkman does not mind killing major characters that you love he is that's kind of his thing that's a that's a kirkman thing right well uh tune in for the end of this is all i'm gonna say because man this fight is brutal uh this uh said sometimes invincible feels like it's almost an all ages comic this is not that <laughs> this is a gruesome bloody battle that uh it, it I love when 
Corey Walker and Ryan Otley uh, surprise us with some gruesome because they leave you alone. It's very clean for a long time. That's sort of the invincible way, right? As far as the just the violence. And then all of a sudden, it kicks into level 10 bloody goriness, and it's shocking. Well, some of that happens here, folks. And that's really, uh, that's kind of all I want to tell you. I, like, don't want to ruin it anymore, but I want to tell you. It's the Action Pack winner of the week, absolutely. It's tense because they are... Our main characters are definitely in peril here, and they are fighting for their lives. They're mostly just trying to run and escape. They know they can't really keep up with Thrag and these twins, and it's just uh, tense. And if you've never even read Invincible and you pick this up and you see this lovely little family, this like husband, wife, and young four-year-old daughter running for their lives from these insane murders that are not holding back in any way. Like, you always feel it in superhero comics, right? When the bad guys are just kind of fighting in a certain way, you know that that maybe death is not imminent. You feel here the way it's written and drawn and the emotion in the faces that, you know, that impending doom, that death is there and it's looming and they're they're fighting desperately. They're clawing tooth and nail to stay alive. And you feel that in this 100%. So... This is towards the end, folks. This is like the last 12 issues of Invincible forever for all time. So go get it. Go get caught up with past volumes or just jump on right here and read prior. I don't know. I've been on that long journey with them since issue number one. So that's why it has a lot more gravity for me and feels a lot heavy, heavier. And I love it. It's just been consistent. This is like the only break in shipping they've, I think, ever had. It's always pretty consistent. But... Check out Invincible <clears throat> Image Comics, doing it right with Invincible. It's beautiful, it's glorious, it's 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 superhero action at its top-notch best, and uh, it's just so enjoyable. But there you go. Those are all of my picks. There you have it. Those are the new comic book recommendations for New Comic Book Day, February 1st. Those are all the top-notch ones right there, folks. Those are the great ones. So go to your local comic book shop, tell them Chris from Sunspots Comics sent you, and buy them immediately. All ten of them. You will not be disappointed. And if you have any questions, comments, or you'd like a personal comic book recommendation from me personally, just hit me up at chris at sunspotscomics.com. If I choose your email and discuss it on a future podcast, I will send you a little freebie, a little thank you prize. And please sign up for our newsletter on sunspotscomics.com contact. And tune in next week for issue number 93, where I will be grabbing 13, 13 comics next week for February 8th. Five brand new number ones, so potentially 18 comics. <clears throat> and just to give you a little glimpse of some awesome stuff that's coming out next week, you got two Batmans, All-Star Batman and Detective Comics. I've got Birthright. I've got Black Widow number 11. That's been fantastic. Flash 16. Joshua Williamson on Flash has been beautiful. Fool Killer. I love Marvel's Fool Killer. It's definitely a surprise hit. Check that out. Green Valley. It's been a phenomenal pick. Jessica Jones, Jim Henson, Storyteller, The Giants coming out next week, just to name a few. Oh, and Walter Hill's Triggerman, issue number five of five. This is that Titan hard case crime comic uh, title from Roy Triggerman Nash, who's like this Tommy Gunn uh, um, hitman for hire in the Prohibition days. I'm loving that. That's written by Walter Hill, who's a director of the Aliens movies. And this artist, Jeff, who's like a French artist, I will be talking next week about a title they did together, Walter Hill and Jeff, uh, called The Assignment or The Reassignment, which also has a movie coming out about it starring Michelle Rodriguez uh, in March of this year. 
uh, kind of a B action film, but I'll be talking about that next week. But so many good things I'm looking forward to. That's just a, a snippet, a little smidge, a little, a little nugget. But please tune in next week for issue 93. And of course, don't forget, of course, don't leave home without being watered, my friend. Yes. Thank you very much. And Oh, and one more thing. If you uh, want to give a little back before I... Before I wrap it up, forgot to mention, if you'd like to just do a little something to help us here at the podcast, just subscribe to us, of course. Go to iTunes, give us a five-star review and a little positive blurb. I will personally thank you right here in a future podcast, but it means a lot to me. Just go to iTunes and give us five stars. But now, be water, my friends. Thank you very much. See you next week. Bye. Later. Comics now.